I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hey listeners, a quick heads up that today's episode has some sassy language in the form of a couple of F-bombs. They all come from the unknown north. Talent and drive and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49th parallel doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up to these good because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, we sure would miss them. The Canadian star system. Oh, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Canadian Star System, a podcast where we shine the light on Canadian stars known throughout Canada and beyond, and then they shine their light on other Canadian stars that the world should know more about. And together, we form a constellation, sort of like Orion's belt, but in the form of a plaid shirt and a toque. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, and like most dads, I know I'm funny, even if my children don't. With me, as always, is my producer, co-host, and someone who I'm sure is happy I'm not her dad, uh, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Hello, Steve. I think it's hilarious that you are wearing a toque and I am wearing a plaid shirt. I know, and that wasn't planned at all. It's just the way that it came out. And I might as well give a, a plug to the this toque. It's, it's, I'm going to try to fool our guest today with it, but he because it's not really a word and it keeps fooling people, but it stands for the hole in the wall, which is a pub near my house. But people look at it and think I've screwed up terribly on a wordle. <laughs> I can't wait to get to our guest, but here's the question that I have for you today, Diana. You are a professional comedy writer. Yes, this is true. No, yes, that's not the question. Yes. I knew that. I knew oh, that you were already you. where on the hierarchy for you of professional comedy jokes, would you say that puns fall? Where would you say they fall? 
I know that a lot of people think that puns are the lowest form of comedy mm -hmm. and considering how much I work for and with you, <laughs> I am going to say they are the top. They are so fun. They are innocent. They're delightful. Nobody really gets hurt. I love a good pun. Uh, you didn't have to go that far with it, but I appreciate that you did. What's, mm -hmm. let me ask you this. I'm going to put you right on the spot. What's the best pun that you've ever written? You've written a Ooh. lot of them. I know. I have. I don't know if people realize that I, I write a lot of content for you for the debaters. Yeah. You do. And I'm, I, I, you know, I listen to the debaters, of course, but I, it's hard to keep track of what you wrote and what actually made it to air and how many drafts different people go through. I do remember this one that I wrote okay. and it was uh, you were doing a debate about petitions. So it was the setup to the firing line. And I wrote in my hand, I have a list of questions on petitions brought to you by Star Trek, where you can join the hive mind on change.org. Okay. That's worth change.org, everybody. Worth the walk. Worth the walk. <laughs> and it's getting a thumbs up too from our, our guest who I'm going to reveal shortly. And that's that. Oh, that's two thumbs up now. My goodness. That's huge. Pretty good, Diana. Pretty good. Oh, thank Francis. you. Thank you. And what about you? What's your favorite pun? You know, this is it's going to be weird because people think that I think of nothing but puns because I'm on national radio two days a week delivering these puns we have a whole team as you know you're part of that team and uh i like to use my downtime as not thinking of puns on the spot because i do people enough people think i do that that i will on a plane if they find out who i am they will deliver puns to me for the entire time of the plane and it is it is not not fun but i <laughs> i will say the best pun that i've ever come up with on the spot because it's important too with the situation you come up with the pun there was, uh, it was the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. It was quite a few years ago. I'm going to say maybe 2014. A woman from the festival, Anne, uh, Anne Dawson, heavily pregnant, heavily pregnant, was about to watch the show. And she came backstage and I leaned right down into her stomach and I said something dumb. And then she just looked at me and I went, woo, tough womb. And I was so <laughs> proud of myself. I thought, yes, I have done it. And then because she was, she just shook her head and I said, I guess it's all in the delivery. And then <laughs> I felt like I had accomplished everything I could. So um, there you go. That's my favorite well one. And I just got two thumbs up from our guests. So I don't want anyone to wait any longer. Today's guest is not, technically speaking, a professional punster, though his Twitter feed leads many to believe that he could be. He is actually a celebrated wordsmith, singer, songwriter with 16 albums to his credit and countless collaborations with other fabulous songwriters such as, oh, I don't know, Chris Martin, Andy Kim, Robert Plant he's played with, to name a few. He originally hails from St. Catharines, Ontario, made his home in Ontario for a chunk, or sorry, in Toronto for a chunk of time. Now he lays his many hats in Stratford, Ontario. He is a songwriter's songwriter. But those of us who aren't songwriters still get to enjoy the fruits of his labors. And I can tell you that listening to his songs is never wasting time because love shines through all his music. Who am I talking about? Well, lo and behold, 
It's Ron Sexsmith. Ron. <laughs> I'm groaning now. I'm shaking my head and uh, totally groaning. But it's actually the songwriter's songwriter's songwriter. I missed the third beat. Yeah. It's the songwriter yeah. that song other songwriters write songs about. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to uh, have this conversation with you because, and I'll get this out of the way quickly. I announced on social media that I would be talking to you. People are anxiously awaiting mm. for this to be released. And the first thing everyone said from Twitter was, oh, my God, it's going to be a pun battle <laughs> for, the, for the ages because you <laughs> are on there all the time mm. with your wordplay, making up puns like, and this is just a little a recent one. Remember that guy from high school who always appeared when you least expected it? Oh, you mean Oliver Sutton? I mean, that is gold uh -huh. stuff there, Mr. Sex. Wow. <laughs> kind of you to say well you know i mean i try not to you know when i first got on twitter i just thought what am i supposed to do with twitter it's just such a you know people were tweeting about what they ate or something like this you know our political stuff and i just you know i've always loved i guess the dad joke you know i always grew up in an era of dad jokes and variety shows and so finally I had an outlet to unleash the sort of uh these horrible groaners but especially during covid though i sort of went into overdrive because i felt like a lot of people, you know, I felt a bit sad and I thought it'd be nice to try and boost morale and lift lift spirits. Some people get really annoyed with me and they, they'll unfollow me or something. But and that's fine, you know, but it's it's but sometimes I just want to, you know, just shoot myself because they're so bad. And um, but but it, but for me, I, I, the way I've come to deal with it is it's just another form of writing. Like I do, right. you also do these Twitter poems. I yeah. do. Uh, you know, I do song parodies on there. I, do, I have my YouTube channel where I upload songs that I've done cover songs. And so I try to make it a really fun place for people in this strange phase we're going through just to, yeah, to lift people's uh, spirits, hopefully. You know? My favorite part of all of your tweets, though, is that you sign them. RS. <laughs> just to up. be like, yeah. I wrote this. Nobody. I don't have a ghostwriter. <laughs> Well, let me explain. I would like that some explanation. People, yes. Some some people think it's really pretentious, but what happened was when I first got on Twitter, my management had been running it for oh, I see. you know a few years, so they had already had about six hundred followers before I even knew about it. And in the beginning, they used to tweet a lot too, like promotional stuff, like Ron's coming to Vancouver or whatever. So they said I should just sign my initials to let people know that it was me ah. tweeting and not, and not management. And then I just started doing it and it just kind of became second nature. But some people go, hey, we all know it's you. Why do you keep, you know, but now I just kind of, it's just become a part of the thing. And also I should take, I should take ownership for these awful That's puns, right. right. Maybe they don't want other people to think they wrote those. It's a good exercise in writing too, exactly. though, because you're taking away two characters and 140, you only have Ron <laughs> Sexsmith, 138 characters to make those jokes. That's impressive. I can't. And what was it originally? Because I can't remember. I, I survived a few years because originally you're only uh, 70. Because now you, I, was it just 70 I characters? Was no, yeah, I think it's doubled to 280 now, Diana. I oh, think yeah, it was, it was, was oh, I see, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so what, that gave me so much leeway to just almost you know, to write these sort of war and peace kind of tweets, right? Of, uh, again, it's like people are into all this wordle and whatever. And it's for me, it's that it's like a bit of a brain exercise, you know, try to figure out how to say what I want to say in the most sort of economical way. And, and uh, you know, and I, I love my favorite puns because I've some of them are, are, are almost little sketches where I have yes, like, I you know, someone says you says, you know, like there's a dialogue going on. But my favorite ones are like the one liners that just sort of come 
And I mean, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now, but every now and then I'll come up with one that I'm really proud of. But that's usually weeks between, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, tough. Will you use tough womb now? You heard it in the introduction. Will you <laughs> just walk around to pregnant women. <laughs> well, uh, I, I wouldn't want to steal your thunder. No, you can have, you can have, we can share that thunder. Well, that and thunder. you know what, we've yeah. covered a lot of that, but we're, we're talking about it, that a pun is a weird thing because some people call them dad jokes and they say it in a way that like dads couldn't possibly be funny. You're a funny guy. Mm-hmm. You're an entertaining, you're one of Canada's I'm best. Dad. I know dad. that you're a dad yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, people have to understand that not all dad jokes are bad jokes and there are great dads out there that are great artists that just happen to be dads. So lay off the uh, <laughs> saying that puns aren't good because a pun takes a lot to get mm. to the point where it's so bad, it gets good again. And I think that you have, yeah. you have actually mastered that on Twitter. Well, thank you. For, it's kind of you to say, <laughs> I don't know if I deserve it, but yeah, you know, you know, you want to hear the very first pun I ever wrote. Yes. Of course we do Ron. And, and just, and then I'll get off the pun thing, but I was touring, I was opening a lot. In the beginning of my career, all I did was open for people. And so when you're an opening act, you tend to talk more than you would, you know. And so I was opening for Sarah McLaughlin. I was pacing around backstage trying to think of what should I say. Now, Sarah's a vegetarian, you know. So I thought of this pun that I was going to try out that night. I said, Sarah McLaughlin, you know, she's such a strict vegetarian. She won't even beef up security. <laughs> and... Uh, and so I tried that out on that night and got a big response. And so ever since then, I thought, oh, I got, I got something going on here. And this was way before Twitter. Like, this is like 90, 1995, right? So anyway. You yeah, see? Love it. Well, one. and that's, you know, that's just to give the listeners what they want, because they're going to be like, are they going to go back and forth? There you go. We're, we've fulfilled our contractual obligation on puns. Now, let's dive into some meat here because you have such an illustrious musical career. And when I say songwriters, songwriter, I truly mean it. There are every, every songwriter worth their salt wants to, or has worked with you or credits you as one of their favorites. I mean, how many people in the world would you, would you, you would say your name to Elvis Costello or Paul McCartney and they would go, yeah, I like, I like Ron Sexsmith's work. What is that? feel like to be so respected in the industry? Well, you know, in the beginning of my career, it meant, I mean, it still means a lot, but it really meant a lot in the beginning because I didn't, I didn't really have much of a leg to stand on. You know, I made this album, my debut came out in 95 and, you know, it came out and the label, first of all, the label hated the record. Always nice. And it's a nice they start. Only, they all, and this is what I'm talking about, Interscope Records in Los Angeles, and they didn't like the record. And I, I was feeling a bit because I was trying to politely defend my record because I was proud of it. And they thought, well, no one's going to play it. No one's going to buy it. And kind of like, you'll be sorry kind of thing. And they put it out. And the first year, it only came out North America. And they were right. Nobody played it. Nobody. And then in December of 95 is when Elvis Costello held it up on the cover of a magazine in the UK said, and said it was his favorite wow. record of that year. And that changed everything for wow. me. And next thing you know, they're releasing it or reissuing it over, overseas where I initially found my audience and then all of a sudden all these people I grew up listening to were saying nice things about me like Elton John and McCartney so at the time it was kind of a bit of a vindication and it gave me yeah this feeling like I wasn't crazy right for liking what the record I made and then uh, you know I ended up 
I made uh, three more albums with with Interscope, and eventually found the people there that you know got what I was trying to do. But and it now, so now it still means a lot. But at the time, I sh- you know I kind of shudder to think where I would be had he not have done that, Elvis. You know, so great that he did that because yeah. to have somebody of his magnitude to be able to you know to hold up your record and shine the spot, it, it like that that kind of altruistic move is exactly what we want to do with this podcast of like somebody with a platform, you know, uplifting somebody, you know, who really needs it. It was so unexpected, you know, and he took me on the road with him and, wow. and we're still, we're still friends. You know, when I, in 2011, I, I made a record with Bob Rock that was kind of a, some people thought was a strange choice because Bob was famous <laughs> for Metallica and all this kind of stuff. And, and Elvis really wanted to hear it. And I was out in Vancouver and we were both on the same bill of, of a, a Neil Young tribute concert. And so, so Elvis, I, we started listening to it at his house. And then we got in the car to take us to the venue. And when we got to the venue, there was still three more songs to go. So he asked the driver if he would drive around the block a few times <laughs> until it was finished. And it was so sweet. And, and uh, he really listened to it. And so he's been someone I've always been able to talk to and, and this and that. But again, I never... Um, Never expected, you know, to meet any of those people and or that they would know, know me. I I mean, it is it's that Canadian humble nature coming out. But you have rabid fans around the world, uh, wherever you go to perform. You said you said rabid fans. They're rabid. Yeah, they are rabid. You have there are you are big with wolves. Wolves. Squirrels like me. Yes. Wait, you have yeah. is that the wrong word avid avid fan? <laughs> no you're right rabid fan. rabid yeah. fan i mean yeah. you've got such a following it's such a distinct sound and i'll be very honest with you we've interviewed quite a few musicians but i have been i've got went down the ron sexsmith rabbit hole <laughs> and have been down rabbit, there. rabbit hole rabbit <laughs> hole rabbit, i went down a hole. rabbit hole <laughs> with ron sexsmith yeah. that would be actually mm. a pretty good play on words right there down mm. down the rabbit mm. hole um, it's like a stephen king novel yeah <laughs> yeah all right we'll write a thriller about it yeah but it's it's a, an entire world onto itself the lyrics are so important to everything and your voice is so effortless it's like uh it just it brings it brings you in, and it I could listen to it and did Thank for you. for days on wow. end. So wow. it's I mean I don't know where I want to go necessarily from here. Let's we Tarantino these interviews up. So now we're gonna we're gonna jump from the beginnings right to the right to the most recent album, Hermitage. Is that how you say it, Hermitage? And I looked up the meeting. That's right. In the Oxford Canadian Dictionary, that's my source. That either means a hermit's dwelling. Or a French wine produced near Valence. So, which uh, which is it, Ron? What are you going after with this? Well, I didn't know about the French village or whatever, but okay. I, yeah, basically, yeah, it's where the hermit lives. And when I first moved 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 to Stratford, I I was feeling a bit disillusioned, you know. And I thought, and this was before I even wrote the songs. And I and I was like, I remember telling my wife, like, I don't want to know anybody there. I don't want to meet anybody. I just want to. <laughs> I want to be this weird old guy who lives in a house and nobody ever sees, like Peter Mansbridge, basically, you know, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, so, uh, so that was already a, a, a title in my mind, Hermitage, but long, even before I wrote the songs. So that was the, you know, and, and it, to quickly explain the cover of it, you know, we have a big, I yard love and the I, cover. Love and, it. I, and it's a picture of me with a feather boa mowing the lawn. 
<laughs> you know, because I actually do cut the grass with a, a push mower. I don't, I don't like loud noises. So I don't have the gas thing or anything like this. So I was pushing. I like to hear the clippity, you know, the clippity thing going. And and there were these people that walked by one day, and they said, you know, uh, some of us in town are calling your place the celebrity house. And I, unbeknownst to me, I was like, really, the celebrity? And it and it just seems so bizarre because I mean, Peter Mandrus lives on the, you know, he's a way bigger celebrity, you know, and Colm Fior lives here on. But anyway, so I read it when they said that I had this image in my head of like Elton John cutting his grass, you know, wearing and and I and I sort of knew what my album cover was going to be. And I again, I hadn't even written the songs yet. It was just this sort of that's thing. hilarious. What a and hilarious I, starting point. Yeah. So so that's that's the story behind that. That must make the people of Stratford so happy to know that they have inspired <laughs> your album cover before you even wrote any of the songs. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I had probably some songs in the works at the time whatever but you know it's it's such a discouraging business every album i make i'm always like well that's the last time i'm doing that and then you know it's like <laughs> like charlie brown trying to kick the, the the football you know you like you end up doing it again because what else are you going to do so um you know now i've just finished another record but who know, you know who knows when that'll come out but this is a change uh, you were talking about it now that we you lived in toronto a long time you made the move to stratford many artists are moving out of toronto to other places now because toronto is frankly a crazy expensive and also there hasn't been a lot going on in the last couple of years you were hesitant to make the move but it seems to have done it's certainly agreed with you you're out there you've got new social circles to run in you're obviously got a lawn to cut with a manual <laughs> lawnmower that's so that's, right. that's going to yeah. take up a chunk of time on the album and now correct me if i'm wrong but on this album did you play all all the instruments yourself on this latest i album? did i did except for the drums right. uh, because they're harder than they look drums oh harder. god yeah don kerr who produced the album that was his idea because i sent him the demos of the song and he thought you know and I never know what what direction to go in or what what the approach should be. And he thought you should make one of those records like Paul McCartney used to make, where he plays all the instruments. And and that that sort of made the light bulb come on over my head. And and I thought, well, that might be fun. I mean, it was a whole it was so much work though for me. Right. I mean, I was playing instruments no one would ever let me touch before. You know, <laughs> I'm playing keyboards and everything. But ultimately, I think it was the right way to go. And and actually, we recorded it in my house. Don came up here. Turned my house upside down for a few days, you know, with mics and everything everywhere. So I'm still kind of amazed that we were able to do it, even though we did all the overdubs were done in Toronto and stuff like that. But the bulk of it we did here and um, it just seemed appropriate because it's hermitage. And, you know, I should do it in my new house and very sort of domestic kind of domesticated records. You know, a lot, most of the songs are about my new life and you know, you even hear birds off the top because I never heard birds in Toronto. But every day, you know, it's like I feel like I'm a Beatrix Potter or something. Here, you know, like there's a bunnies in our yard. We had an owl living here for a while. So it's so it, it but I, it's definitely every other day Colleen and I say how lucky we feel to have moved here before this craziness. Right. You you, you did know. just when did you move out there? 2019? 2017. 2017. And and for the first few years, it was we couldn't believe our luck. You know, we were meeting all these cool people, going to the greatest plays we'd ever seen. Well, of course, and that's, that's true. And yeah. Amazing restaurants here. And it just felt like an oasis in a world that was gone totally berserk. And even during COVID, it's been actually not that different, you know, because hmm. yeah, at a certain point, remember, you're, you're allowed to be with 10 people. And then, 
And so we've just kind of kept the party train rolling through this whole thing. <laughs> and we felt we felt very lucky. And um, and hopefully it'll get back to sort of normal again soon. You know, I'm supposed to tour in March, actually. So I don't know. We're still waiting to see if that's going to happen. Well, I, I hope you do get, uh, I hope we all get back out there, but you in particular, because you are an outgoing hermit, from what I can tell so <laughs> far. And I think that more people need to see you. Now, Stratford. I'm like a gregarious monk. You're a good guy. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite jazz there musician. It is. Gregarious, gregarious Monk. He's a good one. Down yep. the rabbit hole with Gregarious Monk. <laughs> Are, do you feel like you're yeah. filling the void left in Stratford since Justin Bieber left? Or is he still there? Yeah, I started busking in his old spot in front of the <laughs> nobody never nobody threw me any any money at all. But uh I don't know. But I used to be as cute as him once upon a time, but it's just sort of uh, we both had the boy look, you know, the hair and everything. But uh, but yeah, no, but I, but there's definitely you can't be in Stratford and not be aware of Bieber. Like he's um, he looms large, you know, his presence. And uh, and apparently he comes back to this town quite a bit, although I've never seen him. But sometimes right. he'll hmm. he'll go hang out at one of his old. He goes he goes straight to Peter Mansbridge's house. <laughs> uh, not a lot of people know that. And he just talks about current events. Yeah, and he's there uh, with Calm Fear and all these other people. And I'm sitting here just five minutes away. I would do anything to get a microphone into that oh, well. party. Be a oh, I think ball, I would yeah. be, be mostly Peter scolding him, I think. Now, <laughs> but is, do you think, of course, you've progressed, you've matured through your years. Do you feel like now you have a more positive outlook since the, since the change to Stratford, even though the world has gone through what it's going through? Has, have you, has your outlook improved because i think that when i listen to hermitage and i listen to some of your older albums i feel like there's still that that soul that but there's always an optimism mm. now that's coming through well, i think early on i think my albums have gotten happier over the yes. time you know yeah. i think i used to i used just to hear the word melancholy compared you know in my early records and maybe i don't know i never really felt i think sometimes my voice made songs sound sadder than i intended you know <laughs> At that, um, especially on my earlier records, and I never meant that. But even those albums, there were sort of funny songs and hopeful songs. But definitely, since my I had an album called Cobblestone Runway in 2002, I think there's been a definite progression of getting more hopeful and happier, which it goes right on to this new album that I've just finished. So, and I, but I, I think definitely the the Stratford has, has had a huge effect on my overall mental health or whatever well, that's you know, I great feel a lot less anxiety toronto would think i be, had become kind of a bad place for me I, I felt i was going insane there towards the end so i was really glad to, and i couldn't afford a house there anyway so just to be able to move here and i, I, I put my big boy pants on you know and own a house which, which was like i never thought that would happen so it's been just a win-win you know really I have a house here and I can't afford it. So if you see any uh, for sale sites, let me know, because I'll bring the kids out to Stratford. And it is, yeah. it's world-class theater when the festival wow. is in season. Have you been going to more theaters since you've been out there? Yeah, I mean, before COVID, we would go not see every play, but almost every play. We And it was wow. so exciting to get dressed up and go to, especially if we got to go to an opening night of one of these things. And I was just... I was never disappointed. I was just always blown away by the dancing and the singing and the acting. It just, just everything. Um, and I've never been to a Broadway musical, but I, I have no doubt that it's just as good as any of the plays they're doing there. I mean, it just felt, it just felt world-class to me. And also there's, they've just built this brand new theater that no one's been able to use yet, which I can't wait till 
we can go in there. And it was designed by, I can't remember the name of the architect, but someone who lives in Toronto, but it's so beautiful to see on the river, this new structure. They got rid of the old lawn bowling club and put this new theater there, but it's, you know, <laughs> but hopefully they can still lawn bowl somewhere else, you know. But um, anyway, I, I can't wait to be inside there and watch a play. And I can't wait for the Joni Mitchell song about they paved the lawn bowling club and put up a theater. (laughs) (laughs) Let's jump right ahead to something else that's happening right now. And as we talk about this, there will, you know, it's still going to be a thing when uh, it, because I hope it starts some sort of trend. Neil Young, who you're a a big fan of, obviously, just recently gave the ultimatum to Spotify because Mm -hmm. uh, it's either me or it's Joe Rogan on your yeah. on your format because Joe Rogan's following. Obviously, there's a lot of spreading misinformation going on. Neil Young doesn't want to be part of that. And Spotify said, okay, if you want us to take your music off, we'll take your music off the format. So essentially they're choosing the Joe Rogan crowd over Neil Neil Young. Can I get your thoughts on that? And 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 do you think it's going to lead a movement? Well, I did notice on Twitter today there was a cancel spotify thing that was trending. okay i didn't you know by whether it picks up steam i don't know but I, I just you know you can always sort of count on neil right to kind of <laughs> come out and sort of do what's what's right but obviously a lot of musicians myself including um included i should say aren't really in the same financial position as him right, to, right. you know i kind of need every revenue even though Stra- uh, spotify it's like you know pennies or whatever for, for for play i think it's great that he's make he's making a stand uh but i don't think he was at all surprised or anyone was surprised that they would pick joe rogan or choose joe rogan or because it's it is a business and it's a money thing and joe rogan makes the money apparently i've never heard his show but it's a bit disheartening though because you would think they might want to stand up it's supposed to be a music site right that they right. might want to stand up for but there are other sites i mean i really like Tidal and I think there's another one. I don't know. I'm so not technical. I listen, you know, I listen to vinyl in my back rack lounge here. So, and I, and I don't even have a Spotify account, but I know that my music's on there. Right. And I'm, and I'm happy that it's on there if people use that service and want to hear it. But it's just, it's a very disappointing time in so many ways. And, but I, I when, when Neil first came out and took his stand, I just thought, well, that's, you know, right on. That's really cool. But I, I don't think anyone was surprised you know that that, or anyone thought that spotify was going to drop joe rogan right it's well i i'm interested to see how it plays out and again as as we speak it's playing out well it might be further down the road when this when this gets heard but another thing that came up on twitter is that spotify has paid diana is very interested in this as the producer of this podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) they've paid 30 million dollars to the Harry, formerly known as Prince, I don't know what he's called now, and Megan to do a podcast that hasn't had a single episode produced yet. And they've paid them $30 million. Now, I'm not a business genius, but <laughs> I, I think an, you think you want an ROI of above zero on $30 million. So I think mm. that Spotify is coming into the spotlight in a different way now. And, you know, I honestly think, of course, Joe Rogan could just start his own thing. He's got a huge following, but I don't know that, Spotify hey. should should be a part of that. It's it'll be interesting to see. Well, you know, there was all that pressure on Facebook and Twitter to not miss have misinformation, right? There should be some kind of regulation. I don't know. 
but but yeah, I mean, Rogan could have his own Rogify if he wanted to give his own, <laughs> you know, thing. And I don't know why he doesn't. But but it's it's interesting. All these, you know, I always wonder. Well, like they must be making a ton of money, just like you know Netflix. How much money are they making? You know, it's like this, and and musicians are always on the short end of the stick for these services. Even people like Bieber who sell a lot of records. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, he was made doing that in the seventies, you know, he'd be a you know bajillionaire, right? But but with Spotify and all that, you're you really you could have a big number one song and get maybe five thousand dollars or something. Yeah. Like. So it, it's it's a it's a whole changing landscape, and uh, obviously I'm a small player, so I have no say in whatever happens, even in my own house sometimes. So <laughs> so it's just roll with it really you know i just i i just hope that anyone who's looking for my music can find it even if they don't want to pay for it you know I, i'm just happy that people can hear it you know my small act of spotify rebellion and i've mentioned this before on this podcast is i have a couple of different playlists that are all my favorite indie canadian bands mm. and i just I just put it on and let it play <laughs> over and over thank and you. over again. You're welcome. Right. Yeah, you're that's in right. there. Oh, am I, uh, we're not assuming I was in there, but I'm just saying thank you for the other. <laughs> so those those 75 cents you might be getting from me. It'll pay for my haircut in a few days. I to, uh, <laughs> by the way, you have, you know, you have luscious locks and, uh, I think that, fishing, other, I, I, you know what, you're an effective angler, even if you weren't because, uh, you we we've you talked about this. You're very honest in your Twitter feed, and you say that you know when you go out there on stage, as you're getting uh, a little bit older as a performer, you feel a little bit more vulnerable as you go out there sometimes. But I think that the people that come up with you as your as your fans, they're they're there for you. They can't wait to get mm. back out to your shows, and I, I really hope that these tour dates keep going. Can can I get your advice if I could for emerging songwriters in Canada, in their own countries and in, and in other countries as well, but that they want to make that step. They want to take the touring and go as you have to around the world, to different countries. They haven't had that opportunity in the last couple of years. What advice do you have to give them to, to get into that world? Because it's, it's going to be a tough world now of live touring when it opens back up and everyone wants to be out everywhere all the time, as far as artists go. That's a tough question because I was so lucky to get in the door when I did, you know, mm-hmm. and to be able to experience a period of carefree travel, you know, and, you know, when you arrive at the airport 10 minutes before your flight and you get on and, and all this <laughs> stuff, it really did feel kind of fun for a while. But obviously not since, not since uh, 9-11 has it really felt fun to travel. But it also, it sort of worked, I, I came in through the back door, you know, in a way because I found my audience first overseas, you know. Interesting. Okay. And so I was able to go there. And, and, and not just me, but same thing for Feist, right? She made it first in France and all that. And then it came back to her. And that's sort of what happened with me. I had found my audience in the UK and Ireland. And there's some people in Canada, like Blue Rodeo, who's huge in Canada, but they can't really go to England and play. And they'll get 20 right. Canadians at their show or something like this, right? Right. And so, and I always wanted to have the career that they had. You know, I wanted to be big in Canada, hmm. and I, I sort of have a of a sort of established career now here. But I'm still not as big as they are in Canada or the the hip or anywhere or anywhere near that. You know, so so you just try to be grateful for the career that you have. But I think uh, before COVID, there was I was def- definitely noticing a lot of Canadian artists, uh, younger bands and stuff who were making the track over there right. and and working out finding a following. 
And it was encouraging to see. I've never been big anywhere, but I have an audience everywhere. So it's a kind of a nice, <laughs> I can go to any Australia, Japan and fill a room, you know, and it's such a nice thing for a guy who hasn't sold a lot of records or whatever. So I, I have, a, I guess, what you call a cult following. But in London, a few years ago, I headlined Royal Albert Hall, which was just Isn't, beyond, that's incredible. beyond belief. That's incredible. Know? So I hope that people can get back to touring in a sort of fun way like before. And also, I hope they can figure out a way to make flying international travel safer and also it, that doesn't, you know, destroy the planet as much as it, as it has, you know. I hope they could find some new jet fuel that that's made out of like carrots or something. You know, and they should, they, hopefully they'll be able to do that. You know, I, I see myself at, at fifty eight. Like I've been to all these places. I've tried. Yeah. I don't need to get on too many more planes. You know, I'm I'm dreading. I'm supposed to go to Ireland in March, and I'm dreading having to be on a plane with a mask the whole time because that's like six or seven hours. Yeah. Um, and can you imagine going to Australia and you're like eighteen hours of the mask and. So there's a lot of things that just aren't fun anymore, but I hope things will return to some sort of normalcy. Uh, I think that was all very well said. And I hope that you, I hope you're listening to yourself for future song lyrics, because that was a good (laughs) one that you started off with there. I'm not. Oh, nice. (laughs) We'll be right back after the break. Steve. Oh, hey. Uh, listen, are we doing one of those flashlight things this week? You mean mini spotlights? Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Flashlight. Listen, I want to do one about, if we could, about the Winnipeg Comedy Festival that I just got back from performing. Oh, what a good idea, Steve. I like this. Now, you know, a comedy festival usually has a big spotlight of its own, but there's a reason why you want to do this, right? Here's my thing. Uh, the Winnipeg Comedy Festival does the best job of promoting Canadian comedy talent of any festival that takes place anywhere. There's a bigger one in Canada, but they tend to forget that they've cast some Canadians on there. Whereas this one truly spotlights the Canadians, not just from Winnipeg, but from all across Canada. And they might bring in guests from other countries sometimes, which they do, and they're funny, but the spotlight is always on putting Canadian talent first. And it's the birthplace of a little show that I do called The Debaters. That's where it was born at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. And we just finished doing it for our 16th season. So obviously the things they do have a pretty good track record. I love this. Now tell me, you were just at the festival. Who were some up and coming comics that really blew your mind? The guy that was on the festival that I was hosting called uh, If It Makes You Happy, so it was about happiness, was a young comic named Ryan Williams from uh, BC, who is for my money, a Canadian Chris Farley that doesn't try to be Chris Farley. That's just how he is. He's a football player turned comic. He's hilarious. He's got an amazing energy. Bree Parsons did a debate for us. She's from Newfoundland. Newfoundlanders, as you know, they got they have the ability to be funny. All of them. Bree was particularly funny during her debate. And there's a young guy from Winnipeg named Matt Falk who debated why Manitoba is so friendly. And he is one of the friendliest human beings I've ever met. It was just a nice, uh, it's nice to know that comedy doesn't always have to be biting, make people so angry they want to slap you on stage. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, I will put links to all of those comedians' uh, websites and socials in the show notes. So if you want to take up Steve's recommendation of checking out these awesome new comedians, go to the show notes. And the CBC Winnipeg uh, Comedy Festival will be on CBC 
coming up soon. The galas come up on, on CBC and the festival will happen next year, May 2nd to 7th, 2023. This is all great information. Winnipeg is a great town. Don't sleep on Winnipeg. It's right in the middle of Canada, you know. It's the gateway to the east or the gateway to the west, depending on which direction you're heading. So next time, stop. And I would suggest it's during the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. All right. Good spotlight, Steve. Thanks. Thanks. Mini spotlight. That's it. I'll write that down for now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And now back to the podcast. Ron, we're going to go to a section now before we get you to bring on the guests that you brought today. We're going to get, uh, this is a section that we call quick questions. Quick questions. Yes. And what we do here is we just want you to answer off the top of your head, if you would, just a few quick questions. I'll try. I'll try. Ready? In all of the cities that you've been to around the world, where do you think the highest concentration of beautiful people reside? Sweden. Very quick, correct answer is Sweden. Uh, I don't, I've never been there, but I've heard I've heard they're great. They're very pretty, but you have to put them together yourself. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh come on, Diana. Come yeah, on. Yeah, those little wrenches they give you. Those are very tricky. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about their meatballs. <laughs> this is this would be unfair. I'm not going to ask you what your favorite song is in general. That's not fair. It's it's there's okay. too many different kinds of songs. However, I know you're a huge fan of Leonard Cohen who yeah. we are unlikely to get on the show at this point. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite Leonard Cohen song? I'd have to say it's, it's the, um, Hey, that's no way to say goodbye. Love it. 
that was the one that really turned me on to him. I don't know if you if you know that song. It's just two verses, you know, that says mm-hmm. everything you ever want to say about that situation of people going their separate ways. You know, like I'm not looking for another as I wander in my time. Walk me to the corner, our steps will always run. Like it's so beautiful. And I remember hearing that song just when I was beginning to write songs and just think, wow, if I could ever write a song like one song like that, you know, I would be so happy. And uh and anyway, I mean I years later I got I sort of got to you know and meet him and sing with him and and which is like to this day it's like you know high on my list of, of amazing things that have happened. So but yeah, no, he was, he was uh, kind of takes the cake in many ways, Leonard. Well, you are Leonard Cohen-esque, my friend, in the, in the poetry that you get through your It was funny, too. Songs. I mean, anyone who could write a song like Stick Another, another Turtle on the Fire, you know, <laughs> a line like that, that's Leonard. You know, <laughs> Again, it might have been the baritone voice that threw people off that he wasn't a happy-go-lucky guy. If you yeah. had to choose an alias for yourself, Mr. Sexsmith, what would it be? Oh, an alias, eh? Um, wow, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. My wife calls me Bear Bear. Does that count? <laughs> I mean, it, it can. She's probably not going to call you that anymore after this. But... No, I don't know. I, I probably, uh, I'll get back to you with an alias that'll be super great and it'll blow your mind. But okay. I, I can't really think of one right now. No, I know. It's tough to put you on the spot. Yeah. So I'm just going to do it one more time. Mm. Uh, of all of your <laughs> lyrics in your prolific career, can you recall a favorite lyric of your own that you had an aha moment when the words came out? And I will give you an example of your lyrics from my perspective. Okay. In every nowhere town, there are somewhere dreams. Yeah. Well, I was, when I wrote that, those lines, I was super excited because that, I don't even remember, that just sort of fell out of my head. I right. remember. But then for maybe a year and a half, that's all I had were those two lines. So I'd keep looking at it. Yeah, no, I'd be, I was touring and I kept writing it down and not getting any further with it. And I, I actually, you know, so it was, but I knew it would be a song someday. I just didn't know where it was going and finally was able to finish it. We used to go to Santa Fe a lot. My wife has some friends there and they let us stay in their guest house, you know. And so I wrote, finished that one and almost every other song on that record in, in Santa Fe, actually. But, but, you know, so that was definitely some lines that I was really inspired by and and again i don't i don't know where it comes from it's just this weird thing the channeling thing that happens but my for me my one of my first the first times i I wrote a lyric where i i thought hey i seem like i know what i'm doing here you know was i i had a song called thinking out loud and there's a bridge that i was always really proud of and it goes um uh, but it's hard to think with all the racket going on inside our heads all this worrying, getting us nowhere, let's go somewhere instead, you know? And I remember writing that and feeling like, you know, and this was I was writing for my second album after my first had come out. And there was all this pressure that to not be a fluke, you know, like to not be whatever, a flash in the pan. And ever since that first album came out, I, it's just, I realized, well, this is my job now. I have to, I don't want to put songs on my albums that I'm not proud of. I want to make sure all the words are right and the melodies are right. Because it's the only thing really that I'm, that's expected of me, you know, other than to try to be a nice person and stuff like that. So I try to be, you know, uh, I just want to write the best song, best Ron Sexsmith type songs I can on, on every album. Well, it shows, oh. my friend, and you thank do you. it brilliantly. So thank you awesome. for indulging me with that. The last questions are just fill in the blanks, okay? Okay. You're just off the top of your head, off the top of your head. 
The Canadian star system is the greatest show on earth. Wow. Greatest answer we've ever had. Talking about the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, but I, I, that's that's fine. And uh, (laughs) living next door to the United States is like, Oh man. It's like the noisiest neighbors that you, you've never wanted. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I, I, I love America. I should, you know, I should also say that, you know, because it's a place everybody wants to do well in, you know, but over the past few years, it really took a, a, a wacky turn off, yeah. you know, off, I don't know where it, and where it's going now. It just seems so divided. And I fear it's spreading up here too, which makes me nervous, but I love America. I hope I haven't played there since 2015. So I hope I can get back. And because I do have some, like, again, I, I have fans down there, yeah. not a lot, but I have enough in different cities. So anyway, no, it, it is a tough, uh, I, li- I like to ask that question. And some people are very happy to say exactly what they're thinking immediately. And others are like, well, we don't love it, but we're there. We like the people there. We don't love the concept of it, but we like the, so I, I understand. People are good. There are some great people there. There are. Clearly, clearly yeah. Especially my family in Florida listening. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, would you do us the honor, sir, of introducing yes. the guests that you've brought with you, please? Well, Lori Cullen, um, I first heard her, there used to be a little bar that was attached to, I think, the Gladstone Hotel. Was it the Gladstone or the Drake? I can't remember. And I was walking by one night, and there was some music coming out of there. And I'd heard of Lori. And I, and I went in, and I, I remember this uh, gentleman, Reg, performed. I'd never, I'd heard of him as well. And then Lori performed. And it was just, it just was so kind of amazing to hear someone who, you know, there's so much affectation that goes on with singers these days, where a lot, a lot of them kind of sound the same. But to hear someone who sounds just like nobody else, and so, I, and then, you know, my, as luck would have it, she'd end up, you know, dating one of my best friends. So I got to know her even better mm-hmm. and just great hanging out with her. But, but the thing that's great about Lori is that she's a great songwriter, but if she never wrote a single song, she would still be a, a great artist because she's a great interpreter of songs. And there's been many um, albums that have had some great covers on. And then, her, uh, there was even one album that Kurt and I wrote the whole whole record because she was in a wasn't really writing at the time, and now she's back again. She has a new album where she's written all the songs, and it's just um, yeah. I just I just I'm always in disbelief that she's not internationally known and like she should be, and um, so. But this the massive you know viewership of this show should yeah. change that. So that's I hope. right. <laughs> That's the goal, Ron. That's the goal. We we call it the Patterson Bump. And here is our second guest today, Lori Cullen. Lori, the crowd goes wild. Lori, thanks for being on. And Ron, thanks for staying uh, with us through this. You are specializing in, first of all, what's it like to get that introduction from Ron Sexsmith? I've never actually watched the person be introduced before. And it looked like you were a little embarrassed, but also you're like, yep, that's how it went down. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I know that Ron, likes me and likes my music and and that has been you know it's incredible right it's like but then i'm over there, right. I, I was over at their house every week so it became less special because I was <laughs> yeah. but, uh, this guy won't yeah. leave me alone yeah. i gave him cocktails and salt and vinegar chips all the time oh. yeah that'll <laughs> do sure it but no i've been a lot i'll never put chips in front of me i'll eat the whole bowl so. <laughs> anyway and you know i got yeah. to i got to open up for ron a whole bunch of shows before covid and tour with him and and so, you know, I, I love Ron Sexsmith. I love his music and him as a person. So 
yeah, hearing him say nice things about me is is amazing. And I should yeah. I should add that we my whole band and I agree that Laurie was the best opener that we ever had. Like it was just every night we'd watch, and you know, and she's not playing easy music too. And she was nail like every night, even if her band was making mistakes, or whatever. She just winning people over left and right. Everyone that sees her or hears her loves her. Again, high regard, and, and it isn't easy music that you do. It's, I mean, it's jazz music. I shouldn't say that it's it's not always jazz. I know there's there's crossover, but it is. You, you specialize in jazz, which is something that can't be faked. You either you either get it and you excel at it, or you don't, and you're immediately found out if you don't. You obviously do get it, and exactly what Ron is talking about. There are, there are so many affectations that singers use. To try, I'm not sure exactly what they're trying to create, but you create it all with with your voice and the interpretations of your songs. So, what would you say to people that are maybe hesitant about jazz music because they're not sure if they can get into it, but you make it so approachable that people can? I guess people call me a jazz singer. I don't really think of myself necessarily as a jazz singer, but I I put out a record that did the best for me and it got nominated for a, as a jazz vocal album and so that right. kind of became something that you know became my most successful move or whatever in that in the t- little bit of success that I've had so you know I love good songs I love I love complex chords but I'm you know I'm not really I, I don't think of myself adjusting I said that but um you know it's for me like finding my own voice was it took some time like when i started out i i i sounded like alanis morissette i had affectations <laughs> you know galore and then i remember singing um singing at a party and singing more honestly and i looked over and somebody was crying and i thought oh this is my power like i just have to be myself and so myself is i grew up my dad he wasn't a jazz musician but he he was a drunk and he listened, he used to, he used to lip sync to uh, uh, Frank Sinatra. And so I listened to Frank Sinatra while my father lip, lip sank it, lip sank it. <laughs> lip, lip sank. <laughs> lip drank it. <laughs> lip drank it. Yeah. And, you know, during the days, my mother would listen to Anne Murray and, um, you know, so I, I feel like I had this, com- I'm sort of this combination in my, in my that in my mind of Frank Sinatra and Anne Murray. Yeah, I don't really see Laurie as a jazz singer either, she, but okay. she has the chops to do that. She does. She, that's, she that's, I didn't mean to insult you by calling you no, a not jazz singer. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, but but she can do it if she yes, wants. But that's she what also, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, but it's like whatever. Joni Mitchell wasn't a jazz singer either, but she could do it right, and she did things that were folky and and all that stuff. But but it's just that. It's just being able to like. I think I could sing that. Like, it's if you know how to sing and if you know about phrasing and if you're, you can you can do it. You can do a song like. I mean, you know, Sinatra wasn't the only one that could, you know, phrase. Everyone prune, always talking right? Hey, prune. Yeah. But um, so lo- it's just having this intelligence. You know, like Dusty Springfield could sing any song ever written. You know, Lori could do that too. Well, Ron, just a second. I know you can do. Obviously, you can do it, Rod. I'm saying. No, I mean, I could. Most people can. Do, of course, you can. No, I mean, do it. I mean, people who can, who, you know, who can, who can sing, I guess, or who can, or you know, in that world. Yeah. But there, there, there are a lot of singers who who can't really. You know, they no. they have a certain certain thing they do, and that's great. But they can't. 
you know, go into other areas right. of, of music. Whereas some people like Laurie Kahn and there are people, I was used to love Charlie Rich a lot, who was known as a country singer, but he was so much, he sang jazz, he sang R&B, but his most of his success was in country, you know. So you get pigeonholed sometimes. And right. I think Laurie might've got pigeonholed that way too. You know? Now, but, something that you did recently, Laurie, and I loved, I went on to the uh, website, which I suggest everyone goes to because that will now lead to the videos <laughs> that are linked to there. And you've got some fantastic videos that we're going to talk more about, but you have, it's a very honest insight into your point of view and what the last couple of years have been for a lot of artists on your website. There's a poem right at the, right oh, yeah. at the top. I don't, I don't feel well. Everything's changed too fast. All of my paid work is gone. That's right out of the gate. That's what you go to on the website. (laughs) But then you talk about the experience of working with your friend, the fantastic Ari Posner, on a rendition of Both Sides now by Joni Mitchell. And that kind of bringing you back into the love of music, the power of that song and your ability to, as Ron was talking about earlier, to interpret it in a new way. So could you talk a little bit about the the power of of music to getting through this time that we're currently living in? Yeah, I mean, you know, music has, you know, saved my life, basically. It really, you know, before COVID, and I expect beyond COVID. But at the beginning of COVID, you know, it was such a freaky time. It's still a freaky time. But uh, not being able to to perform, not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. Uh, I was lost. I mean, I have a, I had a seven-year-old at the time. So I, you know, I was in domestic land for sure. Yep. And immediately, you know, after months of kind of feeling freaked out, I decided, well, I, what do I do when I'm freaked out? Well, I got to make some more music. So I got into this collaboration and um, Ari sent me the track and, you know, I put the headphones on and I, and I recorded that. I think that's one take. I just recorded that. And uh, and when it was done, I just started crying like a baby. You know, it's like, oh, it's and and not necessarily, hmm. you know, sad tears, but like I have a purpose or I have hope and these kinds of things that, you know, without a purpose and without hope, we're, you know, we're in real trouble. So that brought me back to that. And, uh, you know, obviously the Joni Mitchell, both sides now, you know, one of the best songs of all time. So it's, it's good uh, material to work with. And I still, you know, I am still struggling to keep up my purpose and hope, to be honest, you know. And so I have to remind myself um, to get back in there and take my medicine. But again, I think that you're you're stating something. You're actually just clearly stating it, that artists are trying to keep inside right now because they don't. It, it's been extremely tough on artists, particularly in Canada. We haven't reemerged, reopened like other countries have. We don't have any government support whatsoever, especially comedians. But I'm not going to go there. I swear <laughs> I wouldn't go there. I mean, other governments just have more supports in place. Uh, you know, come from away, had to close in Toronto and has not closed anywhere else where it's playing, had to close for good because of the shutdown. So you are stating something that artists I think are feeling and are just not letting out. And I think that everyone that's enjoying art and taking part in it to help get through this needs to understand that the people that are making that art are at risk and they, and the support of the industry and all the industries in the performing arts is so important in Canada. And that brings me back to, I think the next hot Joni Mitchell song you can do reworking it is uh, they paved a lawn bowling green 
and they put up a theater. I don't know if you were listening to the interview, but I think that's got some legs. I feel bad for the people who were just getting going before COVID started. You know, they were getting their, and then uh, got, everything got put on hold. You know, I feel like, like again, if I never get the tour again, I, it'll be I'll be sad about it. But it's like at least I'm grateful for the time I had. You know, but anyway, it is a really hard time, and and it's just a hard to keep positive. It, but it, but it's hard to also be woe is me because it's happening to everyone. So. Well, let's talk about the collaboration, shall we, between the two of you. It is the, um, first of all, it's the best title of a project I've ever heard in my life. Sex, <laughs> Sex Myth Swing Hammer Songs. Now, you're going to get a lot of listeners. You're going to get a, a niche market when you call something Sex Myth, <laughs> sex yeah. myth Swing Hammer. You're going to yeah. get a lot of guests to come in wearing masks that aren't related to COVID. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but uh, how did this come together, uh, this collaboration? And will you will you be able to tour that in the, when the touring starts back up? Well, this is already a few years ago now like when we did the record and Kurt and I used to have a, a little group. We'd play shows as sex hammer for a while. And, um, <laughs> Even and, better. The old so sex we, hammer. And we had been talking about doing something under that name. And at the time, Lori hadn't really, wasn't really writing or, and, and I can't remember whose idea it was, but we thought, Hey, maybe we could write songs for her. And then, but there was never any, we never knew if she would do them or not, or if she would want to do. So, but we we started writing these songs. Kurt wrote all the music. I wrote all the lyrics, and thankfully, Laura, Lori did. And and they went and made this record that I really love. And that was the record that, when we toured in 2017, that Lori came on and she was playing songs, not just from that album, but a few from that record. Sure. And it's a really really great record. I mean, I personally prefer Lori hearing. I mean, hearing Lori do her own songs than than the songs that we tried to write. You know, but it was a nice challenge for me to try to write songs that for a, a woman to sing, you know, and for that was hopefully that she could get behind. You know. Lori, what was your perspective? Was this part of a contractual obligation or did you enjoy any part of it? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically how it went. I had a, you know, my son was really young at the time and, you know, I right. was in one of those phases of searching for my purpose and uh, they came up with this idea and yeah, I was a bit nervous that, you know, I would be able to get inside the songs, but it, it, it worked out. And actually I was, it can you imagine if she said no? I hate these songs. And then we're like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? Anyway, sorry, well, go just, on, just recently this album came up in conversation because um I have some friends who are uh swingers. So they, you know, they, they You mean jazz? No, no, jazz? Not, but they do no. like jazz music. And right. uh and they were they were getting ready for one of their parties. So the parties they have, you know. They they have, they have dinner. They have dinner and they all hang out and they know what's coming. You know they have, you know they dessert. Right? Dessert is okay. Diana, grow up. <laughs> and then they, you know they they have they maybe have live music and then and then uh, there's a Towels. lot of preparation that goes know. on before. And so when the host was prepping for the for the night, he decided to put this record on, and. Um, and so then at 11 o'clock, everybody, everybody goes upstairs and, uh, hmm. and then he puts a playlist on, but I guess somehow it switched over to this record and it started playing in the, in the swingy part of the night. And so, <laughs> and I guess I suppose you have to hear, but the, the lyric of this song is like, then there were three, the two of us and baby make three. And 
this whole song <laughs> about having a child and it's not really songs you know it's not a song to fuck to it really is <laughs> so everyone like everybody just kind of stopped what they were doing like where's the where's the uh where's the soul where's the r&b uh, <laughs> well that's a le- i didn't know you knew swingers why have i where have well, i been Anyway, new friends. Wow. <laughs> so they That's told amazing. you this. They told you this story secondhand. Yeah, you second, weren't definitely at the party. secondhand. Hundred percent. <laughs> it was me. It well, was I mean, me. It was, in, it was in another another country. We were in another country. Yeah. Hey, look. These days, a gig is a gig, man. Like if they're hiring live performers and they've got the money for it, I say take the gig, Laurie. If you've got the chance yeah. to do it in person. I mean, it's yeah. a weird place to do stand up. But what, what music would you play at a swinger party? Like, great question, let's, Ron. Let's Thank get you. it on. I guess I don't know. Oh yeah, Absolutely. just let's sure. get it on on repeat. Uh, yeah. yeah, kung fu fighting, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> now, Lori, you've got you've got some new music that you've been working on as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Just before you know the vid, uh, I had actually finished a record, and uh, I had the I have the vinyl in my house, and the CDs and everything's pressed and ready to go. And so I've been kind of like, you know, bringing it up and and trying to launch it and get it ready, getting it ready. And then something happens and it's it just never feels like the right time the to right release time. something. And, you know, because, so that it will just disappear, which it may anyway. So I've, I've got it ready and I'm just making some music videos now. And uh, it's fantastic, by the way, I should add. It's and fantastic. Ron's the only person who's heard it. Yeah. Well, I trust yeah. I trust his opinion. So. This is my question to you, because you sent me the song yeah. Go Climb. And uh, how would you feel? This would be a first on our podcast, because often playing uh, music is a bit tricky with rights and, and all of that. But because this hasn't been released yet. Yeah, let's play. Let, let them hear can, it. Can we? Sure. Can we actually you do can, a pre-band? You can give us an exclusive. Oh, that is awesome. Right? Okay. Well, this is going to be fun.
Jazz music. <laughs> that was, that was an exclusive awesome. here on the Canadian Star System. That was Go Climb by Lori Cullen. <laughs> great teacher. Well, thank you very much. Great. I feel like we're like a, yeah, like a station that just drops something on the world in a good how way. Is that, how is that listening to, like watching people listen to your music? What is that like as a musician? Oh, it's uh bit painful, but you know, <laughs> maybe I'm supposed to be optimistic. It's, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a, I don't know how I feel about anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an amazing, amazing voice. And it's, you know, your voice is so pure that it just comes through any, any format. Sometimes instrumentation, you, you know, you can't get the full feeling of it in a, in a certain format. I'm listening in my headphones, but your voice comes right through perfectly. There's no, there's no imperfections in it. Ron, I don't know that you could sing that. In in that timber. Well, when I uh, when I hear like I, I first of all I only had half my one headphone till till Vernon. I said, oh crap! But it just I don't even know how you make a record like that. It just sounds so new, and I don't know how to do that, you know. So I just blown away by the the song and the production, and it just sounds like a hit to me. But I've never had one, so I don't really know. But it just seems just seems like that's what you want to hear on the radio, right? That song. It filled me with such optimism. Yes. Yeah, that's what that song. That was basically like. I was halfway through writing for the record and I just was singing myself up, you know, writing a pep talk to myself. So I'm glad it, it should feel optimistic. That's great. Well, that's what the world yeah. needs now. The world needs uh, more beautiful mm -hmm. music and more pep talks. So thank you so much, Lori Cullen, for joining us here today. We can't wait to see you live. Everyone go to lauricullen.com in the meantime to get your fix of Lori, including a great uh, video called Don't Go Yet, which is Seems to be an homage to Barack Obama. I don't know if he's seen it yet, but he is a regular listener of the show. So uh, B.O., I call him B.O. B.O., uh, go to LaurieCullen.com. Check out that video. And if you're hosting a swingers party or a key party, <laughs> be sure to pick up the Sexsmith Swinghammer album. It, it'll really get you in the mood. What can I say? Thank you so much for joining us on the Star System today. Ron, I don't know if you have a pun to send us on our way, but... Oh, God, that's really putting me on the spot now. Oh. If you want to eat a Polish dumpling, that's your pierogi tip. There it uh, is. There we go. There okay. it is. Now All we right. can get a pierogi sponsor. <laughs> I guess Thank so. you. Anyway, thanks Thank for having me. Thanks Thank you, Ron. Thank you both. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Talk soon. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Okay, bye now. Right. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, please subscribe or follow us for free wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephemer Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since you're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings it out. So give it up for these good nuts, because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, you sure would miss them. The Canadian Star System. I told my eight-year-old that what I was doing, I said, you know, I'm going to do this podcast. Mommy's going to do something today, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's told them, you know, it's Ron Sexsmith, it's stars that are bringing on people that should be stars. And my friend said, oh, what a burn. <laughs> <laughs> it's not no. a burn. It's a, it's a push. We call it a push. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.